I guess we'll do it that way. I'm just wolfing down some trail mix on the couch of my hotel in Palm Springs. Sunny Palm Springs. Whoa. What are you doing out there? It's not as fancy as it sounds. We came because it's so cheap. It's the off-season. Would you like to know why it's the off-season? Why? Because today is cooler than it was yesterday. And today it's 110 degrees outside. Sheesh. (laughs) Yikes. Is that... um, It's insanely hot. Is that atypical? This is normal for this place, huh? No, that's why it was so cheap to come out. But I'm loving it. Global warming type situation or what? No, I think it's a deep in the desert surrounded by hot sand and rocky mountains Mm. phenomenon. You know, does it get cold at night? Mm, Not really. Not in the summer. (laughs) Okay. Last night night I drove out into the desert. I was looking up how hot a hairdryer gets. They're usually like 130. Really? I was going to say 220. No, 130. So picture a slightly less hairdryer blowing in your face while you're driving. It's sort nope. of like that. <laughs> there's, no I, I, there's, no, there's no such thing as a breeze here. That's not entirely true. But man, yeah, when you're in the sun and the wind is blowing, it's worse than if it's just kind of cool. It's it's insane. You guys been swimming and having a hoot? Mm-hmm. Sitting by the pool, doing nothing. Nice. Um, What have you been up to? I went and saw um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yesterday. Ooh, I'm excited to talk about that then. Have you seen it? Mm Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I saw it opening day on Thursday at the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood. What's the Cinerama Dome? It's this famous old theater. Is it Tarantino's theater? theater? No, his is the New Beverly. Oh, okay. But the Cinerama Dome is in the movie. And, oh, it um, is. Oh. And uh, it's right in the middle of Hollywood. It was actually kind of a surreal experience. I was editing at our post house, Stan Post, mm. which we can talk about. I was editing at my sta- at my post house on Sunset Boulevard. And, and then my editor was like, hey, I'm going to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's showing in 70 millimeter at the Cinerama Dome, you know, and it's fun. You know, there's like 500 people there. It's a huge theater. Sure enough, the Cinerama Dome, I walked over. It was like right around the corner. Whoa. It was qu- kind of a cool little Hollywood experience, you know, making my own movie and then mm-hmm. walking over to the Cinerama Dome to watch Quentin Tarantino show me how the big boys make movies. Yeah. Yowza. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Pretty good. Don't you think? I mean, I don't even want to comment on sort of the story and the sure. ending and any of the things that some people might find controversial. From a craft and sort of just merchant of cool standpoint, it's pretty astonishing. Um, I think. I really yeah, I really enjoyed it. It had um a lot of great elements. And my favorite part was um, the the beer that that one of the characters, mm. Brad Pitt's character. Did you notice the name of the beer? No. What was the name? I noticed it looked interesting. Old Chattanooga. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I I saw it with a friend of ours and I I leaned over and I was like, dude, did you see that? I mean, it's a split second. I wasn't positive. That's so interesting. But there are two shots of it. 
And the second time you get a pretty decent look. And I was like, that's his old Chattanooga. And sure enough, I looked it up when I got home and there is one reference to it online under like a Quentin Tarantino fan forum. That is so interesting. But yeah, there's, I also like Knoxville. Oh, is he? He was born in Knoxville. He was born in Knoxville. So he always makes a reference to Tennessee in his movies. Mm, And there are actually a couple other, there's a rock city cafe in, Mm. in the, um, where they're shooting the Western and the people that are riding the horses with techs say that they're from Tennessee and they ride horses. Mm-hmm. In Tennessee. Anyway, interesting. I liked it. I watched very closely. Apparently um, you did watch very closely. Yeah. I thought there was a lot to love about it. It's beautiful. I think Robert Redford, I mean, sorry, not Robert Redford, Brad Pitt, who is looking more and more like Robert Redford. He is looking more and more like Robert Redford and man, I'm so okay with that. He was, incredibly cool i mean the two yeah. of them together was such a dream you know mm-hmm. i really enjoyed that um yeah i mean you know he's just one of those guys it's like regardless of w- if you like what he's saying the way he says it is is utterly undeniable i think um right and and that's just man i don't know now that i'm getting to that point in this movie i haven't been watching a whole lot of movies lately and Watching that one, I was just like, he's just such a master. He has all right. of this so under control. I mean, so many decisions, so many scenes. He basically, you know, because it's about an actor and you see him working. So you see all these other things and he masters all of those styles. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really something. Um, I will say, you know, the oh. ending is not for, not for everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, right. Ending, the ending is a lot. But I, I actually liked it. I thought it was okay. So Yeah, I'm reluctant. I'm not going to talk about it. We could talk about it in a year. Uh, yeah, I don't think we should comment on it. Because people will want to see it, you know, and they're going to... No, totally. I don't think we should... Definitely worth going to see. Great, great movie. Yep. Well, I told Kelly, because she's Kelly's going to see it right now. Oh, yeah? And I said to Kelly, babe, I think you're going to love this movie, but just know, you know, the ending is, uh, it's kind of a lot. <laughs> And, and she was like, oh, you mean because it's a movie about a bunch of people getting murdered brutally in Hollywood by occult leaders people? And I was like, yeah, basically. Right. <laughs> that effectively sums it up. It's a pretty, uh, I mean, you know, there's definitely nuance to that if you see the I movie. Know, but- I know you know the story of the mm-hmm. Bianca, the La Bianca, t- yeah, the Manson murders. Do you think seeing it that it's better to know about that or to not know about it? I don't think it matters. Really? I think it's a Hollywood story, you know? I talked about this the guy, with the guy I went to see I think see it adds it to the sense of dread. Let's put it that way. If you know the, the, the thing, I think it definitely adds, like, some context. Yeah. But I don't know that it's essential. What do you think? Well, I have I, two approaches. Uh, partly, you can watch this just as a great story unto itself. Mm-hmm. It, it could even work in a fictional world. If he had changed the names yep. and put it in the 50s or whatever, it, it still would be a great movie. But... Knowing the story somewhat definitely heightened the sense of dread and the yep. surprise at the ending. You know, totally. if you don't know that story, this the end. Yeah, it's shocking, but it's not surprising because mm-hmm. you don't know how it did go down. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, I will say that. Yeah, I I did know how it ends. And um, I really enjoyed the surprises that he threw in there. 
I feel like we're already getting into spoiler territory, so maybe we should cool it. But all right. Well, spoiler alert over. Let's move on. So uh, now that I've realized I'm probably never going to make movies that are as compelling as Quentin Tarantino, I think I'm just going to burn rollers <laughs> and, um, and quit. S- sell real estate in Palm Springs. Yeah. You know, there's probably a great living to be made out here. It's only 115 degrees out sometimes in the summer. Mm. Oh, we did take this beautiful tram yesterday I on the saw. way into town. Yeah, I sent you some pictures. There's this tram that picks up at about 1,500 feet up. You know, you drive up this little mountain road. You get on this tram. It was built by some Swiss engineers or something because apparently mm. Americans don't know how to build trams. And um, <laughs> you'd think we'd figure it out. We got plenty of mountains, you know. There's one in New York that goes um, over to Roosevelt Island. You ever take that? Oh, I have taken that tram. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's a good way. I think it's a an excellent method of transportation. Point is, we took this tram up, and uh, you get to you go up, and you end up at about eighty six hundred feet up. Mm. Quite a quite a climb. It was spectacular because the difference in temperature. It was a hundred and thirteen at the bottom. <sighs> Then we drove up about 1,500 feet, and it was like 105. Mm. And then we got up to the very top, and it was about 73. Whoa. Wow. Isn't that wild? It yep. was just this alpine wonderland. Huh. And you get up over this crest, these rocky, craggy mountains, get up over this crest, and then all of a sudden it's green and lush, and there's it, it, it was – bonkers yeah it was really and you can camp up there so one day i kind of want to come back and do because it's the wilderness section of a state park i kind of want to come back and take the tram up and then just putz around up there for a while it's really cool is it a pretty heavily pop i mean i know it's wilderness so obviously relatively speaking but is the tram it- is very popular but once you get away from the tram it's it you get into the into the shit pretty quick right and it's empty because most people take the tram up eat at the restaurant and go down. This is a segue of sorts, but in the movie that we just talked about, there is, this is not a spoiler, but there's, they use n- narration. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of radio, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. old footage from TV shows, etc. Did you find any correlation to rollers in that? You know, did you notice that or think about it? I did. I felt validated. I thought, yeah, this is not necessarily a spoiler. There's some voiceover that comes in about two thirds of the way through the movie and it just works. Yeah, it's fine. Do you think that was intended from the get go? If you had to guess, that's a good question. I don't know. And I don't know that I need to, you know, it, 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 it worked. It served the story. Sure. It, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're necessarily even taking a stance on that, but I, I did. I enjoyed that because I was like, you know. I want to be entertained. I want to know what's going on. I want to have some fun. Right. And totally. It was necessary information about a part of the story. It allowed us to, to view that chunk of the story in, I think probably the most compelling way, considering what the story was Mm. actually about, Mm -hmm. you know, it truncated some stuff that could have taken much longer. And I was like, this is, this is great. I think it solved the problem. I think you're, are you bringing that up? Because spoiler alert guys, rollers, John and I, sort of invented a couple characters that um, are a radio show, which we've discussed a little bit, but um, there's, you know, radio show 
that sort of functions as part of the world that we've built for rollers. And I'm excited about it. It sort of started as this gimmick that I did as a placeholder. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, I don't know, maybe calling it a gimmick is too strong, but it started as a placeholder. And then I realized, oh, wait, radio and music and this world and they're all super intertwined. It's super interesting. And then we realized, you know, people were responding really well to it. So we've been working on that. It's been super fun. Back to the Tarantino movie in relation to this. There's a moment, this isn't a spoiler, but there's a moment where there, he's showing a party in Hollywood mm-hmm. and he uses name titles. Right. And there's only one time in the movie that it happens. Mm-hmm. And it's not that important. The characters are not that important. And other much more important characters are not labeled. Mm-hmm. It's It was an afterthought. I'm almost positive. What did you think? Of I it? thought it was an afterthought. I thought somebody made him do that. Mm-hmm. Or did sh- you think it detracted? I mean, I noticed it, but I'm, you know, since I'm working on this with you or thinking about it, talking about it with you, I'm noticing stuff like this more, you know? Right, right. Whereas if I, I wasn't scrutinizing the movie as I watched it, but that definitely popped into my head that. No, me too. um, And the same with the voiceover, like it definitely worked. It didn't detract from the story. It was good. It moved the story along, like you said, but I wonder if it wasn't an afterthought. I think it probably was. Or a producer, like they, a producer stepped in or, you know, somebody who watched it in screening. People said, who, what, what's going on? I'm confused. And mm-hmm. they had to add it. Or maybe the movie was three hours long. Right. And they yep. shot a bunch of stuff and they were like, we got to turn this into a five minute montage. Right. And like, okay. Exactly. I can do that after a big fight. Um, I think that's probably what happened. But again, it worked for me and I'd rather watch that. I mean, okay. I will say this. I think the movie, speaking of editing. I think I would have cut another half an hour out of it. Mm. It would have been hard. To be clear, there was nothing in the movie that I thought was bad, but there were things about it that were not as essential. But then again, you know, I felt like there were scenes that were really fun. It's the same kind of feedback that I've been getting on rollers, but I'm not at a point in my career where I can be like, no, I'm leaving that shit in there. I don't care if you don't think it's relevant. Mm. I think Tarantino is at that point. And and it's similar with like Magnolia. All those storylines that P.T. Anderson crammed in there are interesting but they're not all equally interesting Mm. and i think if i had to make one broad critique of once upon a time in hollywood it would be man i just love the brad pitt uh leo dicaprio storyline right and i really love the way that it fits into the broader hollywood narrative Mm. and there were areas that i felt like there was a little bit too much stuff unrelated to how they fit into the broader Hollywood narrative of the Manson murders, et cetera, and a little bit too much stuff of the Manson murder side of things that didn't have enough to do with their story. So there were just, if you think of it as like a Venn diagram, my favorite part of the movie was the overlap of those two worlds and the parts, the the half an hour or so of the movie that I would have cut was sort of 15 minutes on the like Sharon Tate Manson side and 15 minutes on like kind of another side and just sort of let it be this like slightly tighter story. That was my one sort of big critique. But again, having been through that process in my own little minuscule way, I'm realizing how freaking hard that is because maybe the movie wouldn't have felt like it did without all that extra stuff. You know, it might've felt like a different story. The scenes of Sharon Tate, Margot Robbie, watching her own 
movies oh, in the that theater. Was There's like, five, you know, it's a several minute shot mm-hmm. happening and it's just her silently watching this and like her, but her reaction to this magical man. It's really good. Really magical. And it really humanizes her as a person. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I really think was interesting about the movie is that I won't speak for anybody else, but when I hear about the Manson murders, et cetera, I haven't done a lot of deep research. And so when I think about it, I think, oh, these, you know, almost the way that like <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt and, and Leo are always referring to the dirty hippies. And you really get the sense of like what late 60s L.A. was like, like it was smoggy. It was hot as balls mm. and hippies were gross. Like, I think a lot of times I probably just in in hindsight, I kind of romanticize. Sure hippie stuff and the truth is yeah they probably smelled bad and were kind of annoying because a lot of them were doing tons of drugs and like didn't work and you know i mean not all across the board but like i imagine it's like the way i feel it's it's probably similar to the way i feel about certain sort of sub subcultures now i'm like it sounds cool but like not it's it's gross like it's <laughs> we were thinking about going to vegas and i was like uh i don't know Kelly goes to work, you know, she works with a lot of people who go to Vegas all the time. And I was like, oh, we're just going to end up trying to sit by the pool. And there's going to be some grimy pool party with like a DJ Mm. and like 622 year olds grinding in the pool. And that sounds fun. And it kind of looks fun in a really nice movie. But it isn't really like that in person. And I think I got a little bit of a sense of like how silly Hollywood was back then mm-hmm. in a way, but it's also very alluring. And and one thing I'll comment on too is the driving. Yeah. You know, driving is such a key part of LA. A, these cars look so dangerous. It's like no seatbelts right. and they're driving like a million miles an hour through the Hollywood. She hill. takes at some point, a woman takes like a baby that's in the front seat yeah. unrestrained <laughs> out of the car. Like, I mean, he does a great job of portraying sort of the the danger. Like, that is one thing that I think, again, it's like, you know, people my grandparents' age are like, well, we were fine. And it's like, yeah. Some of you. (laughs) Yeah, some of you were. So true. I mean, I don't know. I just thought he, I thought it was really cool. He created a world. It's sort of a world that existed, but at the end of the day, period pieces are created worlds, you know? A hundred percent, especially this one. Dog food. Oh, totally. It it was totally a fan. It was once upon a time story. It was a fantasy story. Right. He feeds his dog food and <laughs> it was this can of food. And it was like rat flavor. Right. <laughs> like, Wolf's, that's that called Wolf's totally, Tooth. That's right. Wolf's Tooth, I think. <laughs> but it was like rat, rat flavor. flavor. That's totally raccoon kind of and rat flavored. Yeah. I loved those details, man. There were so many details. Everything just felt so real and tangible not like glossy and perfect, you know, like all the clothes they mm-hmm. wore. And what do you think of the Bruce Lee scene? I thought that was amazing. Excellent. And it's based on a, there was a story about Bruce Lee. That's actually kind of similar to that where he mm. got in a fight on the, don't th- tell anyone. Don't tell oh, anyone. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. But I think that's based no. on a, a real story. I don't know about the outcome, but yeah, there's so many, it's, if you allow yourself to get sucked into that world, it's a great, great ride. If you're at all yep, resistant to I, it, you're going to, I could see people not liking stuff like that. 
Well, I think it's a little controversial on like, you know, social issues. And I just am not particularly interested in engaging with that conversation. I just think everybody's got a high horse. I'm guilty of it sometimes. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's sort of like, like I've heard some people saying like, you should be watching these movies instead and, you know, support these movies. And I'm a little bit like, I get that, but also I don't hate that. No, I'm not. I get the argument. No, I don't like it either. And to me, I'm kind of like, yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, if I'm going to watch basketball, I'm going to watch the best basketball. I'm going to watch, you know, like I'm going to watch professional basketball. That's why I've never understood college sports. I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I get why other people like it, but I don't feel any need to watch collegiate sports, especially because they're, you know, taking advantage of the players. But that's just another, it's an example of like, even as an indie filmmaker, I watched a movie called Under the Silver Lake. Mm. And um, I know some people are involved. I know it was a big saga. And I'm really not even like hating on the director. The guy who made It Follows, which I also just frankly didn't think was very good. I liked it. I saw that Um, that in the theater with my pal. And uh, I liked it. I thought it was good, but I just felt like all homage and no voice, you know? Sure. Okay, that's fair, but... Um, Whereas Tarantino is is somehow all homage and all voice all at the same time. Mm. I was going to say this about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I, you know, as soon as I left the theater, I think I texted you or probably a couple people and I was like, I don't know that Tarantino has a whole lot to say all the time. Mm. I think he's got a pretty bleak sort of um, simple-ish outlook on the world that I don't find particularly interesting. But man, the way he paints pictures of characters in the world is so incredible Mm -hmm. that I almost don't care what he has to say because I can, you know, like not everyone has to do everything is what he's doing in the ending, which is the controversial part or like in general, what is, is this movie worth seeing? I'm like, it's beautiful. It's entertaining. It actually does to me capture some sort of social commentary in a weird roundabout, not on the nose way, which is kind of what I think is interesting anyway. And, I want to watch what I want to watch, make compelling movies. And I'm saying that as an indie filmmaker, knowing that very few people will probably watch my movie because at the end of the day, if it's a weekend and you're thinking about going to the movies, which is already a big if, Mm. what are the chances you're going to see rollers instead of once upon a time in Hollywood slim unless rollers is just so compelling in a completely different, unique way that just draws you in and makes you want to watch. You got to start a viral marketing campaign. I totally need to do that. But again, the burden of getting people to watch the movie is on me. I'm not going to go out and be like, you should watch this movie because you need to support. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to ask people to go watch it. But at the end of the day, I mean, dude, it's with this podcast. It's the same way. Like, I think sometimes when I see family or friends or whatever, people feel a little guilty. They're like, I'm not caught up. And I'm like, I don't expect you to listen to this freaking show for an hour every week unless you like it. I couldn't disagree more. You must listen. (laughs) Anyway, so so I watched another movie called Under the Silver Lake. Kind of a noir. People have compared it to Inherent Vice, which I think is a masterpiece. Um, It's another L.A. movie by the guy who made it follows. It did not get great reviews. But, man, you know, about 20 minutes in, Kelly leans over and she's like, this feels like something that would have been at the Broad Street Film Festival. Oh, (laughs) ouch. It was like a student film festival that we started in college and i agreed with her it i texted another friend josh losey 
who's a director, and I said, dude, is this movie pure garbage or am I just missing something? I was like 30 minutes in, but it's a two-hour and 20-minute movie. Whoa. And I was just trying to decide if I was going to keep watching it. And he said, no, it's not pure garbage, but it definitely doesn't work. And, you know, here's the thing. It had moments. It had interesting things about it. Um, I don't know all the backstory. I don't really care about all the backstory because I'm judging it as a piece of finished work. And man, it just put into relief how different movies like just even not even the budget of, you know, obviously Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has the money to transport you to a place, but also just the way that he shoots those things. Because I was looking at Under the Silver Lake and they had so many extras, mm. so many very fancy LA locations, so much, so many resources. And yet I just really, really did not enjoy almost any of it and um wow and i was just i mean there were like four or five really great scenes and then the rest of it was just this meandering pointless garbage and at the end of the day i started reading stuff about it and some people are like you know he's doing this this and this and i was like okay that's fine but he didn't take me on a ride that's all that matters did you make me want to know what twists you were going to throw at me you know do you want to talk about editing with the dude? Yeah. Okay. I was working with this editor. We're making a lot of progress. I'm feeling very encouraged about where the Who is this guy? Going. His name's Tyler. He's a very talented director. We should have him on sometime. Very talented director. Um, has worked with Tara multiple times. Uh, Tara, my producer, has produced some stuff with her. And yeah, he's just a talented pro who kind of came up through editing and is willing to help us out and has just been sitting, sat with me Thursday. We're going to sit together a couple times this week. And basically, we're just going through the movie scene by scene and kind of figuring out how to make each scene, like in most cases, you know, 10% better mm. so that we can kind of start checking things off the list, which is wild. You know, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to edit scenes for the last yeah. time, which is weird. Is it? It's good. It is good. I'm really excited yeah. about it. And so you guys edit for what, like five to seven hours together? Yeah, about that. And then you went and saw the movie together. We did. Are you guys? We did see the movie together. Are you guys dating? I'd rather not comment on the record. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is it? Are you but allowed if, to in the film industry? Are you guys technically uh, under some kind of rules and regulations? No, no I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty much fair game. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say we're dating, but it depends. You know, it's a semantic argument, I guess, more than anything. If dating involves spending time together and um talking about your lives and stuff then yeah i guess we're dating nice yeah i mean yeah. I, I went on a date to Pretty see uh, i went with one dude to see that movie and i was like i'm, I'm, I'm on a date mm -hmm. how many more times are you going to meet with this dude i'm not sure probably I'm, I'm guessing somewhere between two and three two and three more times and so like some somewhere between two and three yeah Okay. You know, it's yeah, like two yeah. and a half more time. Depending on what other Tarantino movies come out. Yeah. <laughs> Between now and when we finish rolling. <laughs> so when you're I done with him, is the expectation that the the edit will be when done? When I'm done with him, like when I dispose of him. In seven years when you guys break up. Uh, yeah. When, when you're done with him, though, is the expectation that you'll be done yeah, with the edit? Well, I have a deadline. I don't, oh boy. I don't want to say it on the air yet. Okay. Um, I have a deadline very soon that is a soft, but semi soft. I, it's a, um, it's a, <laughs> we it's get a, it. We got it. 
it's, a joke. it's <laughs> it didn't start as a joke is a picture like a you know on the scale of oh boy gas to granite rock you know yeah like a marble like a really dense rock uh-huh. this deadline is somewhere in the range of thick modeling clay you know it's pretty hard yeah it's, it's pretty hard it's far from fixed but way more than sort of this nebulous deadline it's a real deadline in my mind mm. uh very soon coming up to picture lock which means i will strip out all the music all the other crap and i'll hand off a cut to my composer dan i'll hand off a cut to the sound people and i'll say do with it what you will and we'll begin working on it in a different capacity again seeing once upon a time in hollywood i was like sound and music and uh they just are so important if you're kind of if if you're the kind of filmmaker that i am which is like i never had money i never had cool cameras and i never had great actors so i just had to make stuff interesting the way i could and a lot of times that's with that stuff Mm. and i feel like i've been trying to make this movie to some extent with one hand behind my back because i just haven't been at the point where i can really do the things that i feel most experienced at and i'm getting to that point where i'm like "Ooh, this is gonna be so fun so i'm i'm really jacked i mean even this radio stuff that's how i feel i'm like i'm just i like just making stuff i like making stuff that's funny and interesting and compelling and i like to iterate you know i like to do stuff that i can try and then fix it and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again and it's fun to be at the stage where, where, yeah, where everything isn't front loaded with prep. Right. Do you have a marketing plan for the film? No, I think, you know, the, the, the real plan is try to get into a major spring festival. Mm-hmm. That's when I think once we know what festival we're premiering at, the dream would be that we sell it to the kind of distributor who's going to get real pumped about it. Whether they're small or big, they're going to get real pumped about it. And they're going to say, I know who's going to want to watch this movie. And we're going to say, we think that's who's going to want to watch the movie too. How do we find them? And they're going to be like, well, we have Carla on our staff. She's an expert in marketing and she's going to work with you to figure out how to position the movie. And I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but I really can't imagine a scenario where no one wants to buy this movie. What I think would be the sort of what I would consider a worst case scenario is no one wants to buy the movie the way we would want to sell it to them, mm-hmm. whether that's for the right price or with the right marketing commitment or whatever. That's what I can kind of imagine being the thing that holds us back from quote unquote selling. I'm really not too, too, too worried about that because again, I, I, you know, I love my Chinese philosophers, John. Yes. Now that I'm getting to the end of this thing, I've caused myself a lot of grief. Our, our loyal listeners have witnessed a a percentage of it, perhaps a percentage that I will one day regret, or maybe I'll look back and I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe take all of these episodes offline and burn them. Yeah. We're just going to get rid of it completely. This show never existed. We could start over with our, um, let's rewrite the narrative. See, that's what I don't want to do. You know, I, I, I like the idea that we can't rewrite the narrative of how this movie came to pass, whether it's good or bad. Dude, in this day and age, there's safety in disclosure because I have nothing to hide. No one will be able to accuse me 
of not trying or sort of just being some version of myself that I don't think is accurate. Um, because if you really want to know why I made this movie, how I made this movie, with whom I made this movie, it's all there, baby. Do you have that same approach to uh, law enforcement or privacy in general in terms of the government? That like, I've got nothing to hide, so. Well, I think there's always trade-offs. You know, I was just talking to my buddy Amon, who directed um, Davion, for example. Uh huh. And he's got a couple really exciting projects set up, one of which is at a, a, a major studio. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say what they are or where they are, but one's at a major studio. And one is with a very, very, like, pantheon level director producer, like one of the greats who is still alive. And it's just so insane to think that I'm one distant connection away from this person now. Anyway. I'll tell you offline. It's exciting though. And I'm God, I couldn't be more excited for Mon. Oh, I'm also only, yeah, I guess Bryce has a project with Stevie, man, dude, we're just climbing the rungs, baby. I mean, I'm just kind of like dangling down at the bottom of the ladder, like holding on to Amon and Bryce's coattails for dear life. <laughs> take me with you. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, Bryce, take me with you to Stevie's office. And he's like, get off. And he like kicks me in the face. Has he been to Stevie's office yet? Yeah, I think he's been to Stevie's office. I don't know if they've met yet. Um, Stevie's making West Side Story. So, oh, wow. Crazy. No, I, I don't want to say who Amon's producer is. I Maybe he'll say one day once it's further along. I want to have him on the cool. show. He's a great guy. Anyway, cool. Amon and I were talking, and um, and we were talking about how fun it would be to do a super simple kind of off the grid project. These big projects, I'm seeing it happen to a lot of friends. They take so long to, to yeah. get into production, to get out of, to, to, and so a mom was like, man, wouldn't it be so fun to just sneak away with some really talented people and just make something? And I was like, yeah, that actually does sound like a lot of fun. In what format? A film, like a movie. Oh, okay. I got you. Um, but something tiny, you know, something that, mm. Like a ghost story, David Lowry, you know, we produced um, Never Going Back with them and yeah. Never Going Back kind of fit the same thing. No one talked about it until after it was over. So anyway, my point is, if that's the kind of movie you want to make and if you're the kind of director who has good representation and if you come out with this movie, people will pay attention like a ghost story or to this at this point, honestly, like if Amon did it, his reps would and it was good. His reps would push it and he would likely get into a major festival with it and all that kind of stuff. For me, I'm just not there as a director. And so if I go off and make some tiny movie, there's a chance no one will ever hear about it. And so for me, that's the trade-off, you know, when it comes to pri privacy, disclosure, et cetera. I think a similar trade-off exists in a broader sense where, well, to, to be more specific with the movie. Yeah, you know what? I've put myself out there. I've put myself on the record saying things that maybe I'll regret, maybe I won't. I can't rewrite the narrative. So in some ways, if the movie's terrible, I can't blame anyone. There will be no ambiguity, as you've pointed out very nicely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's no ambiguity about what happened. Well, clearly, I just took a big swing and I've and I've freaking missed. If the movie's not good, that's how it goes. I can't make up some excuse about whatever. You know, you can live with that. I can live with that. And honestly, I just I'm so confident that that's not going to be the ending. Now, who who watches it? How many people watch it? Sure, I don't sure. Know. But I feel confident that this movie, I'm going to be proud of it. I will say this, you know, not many people outside the industry have seen it yet. Hmm. Um, most of the people who have been watching test screenings at various stages have been 
other filmmakers. And I think filmmakers are sort of, we, we train ourselves effectively to watch with certain pairs of glasses on. I think like a couple people I've specifically said to them, look, I don't need nitpicky notes. I just want you to watch this. Try to pretend like it's done. Try to enjoy it like you, you know, you're just watching it. It's obviously going to bump you, but just, you know, just enjoy it. Don't feel like you have to pay write down every single thing that pops up. And I got to say, dude, the people who've watched it that way seem to like it. Um, again, it's only a few. It's a small test size, but people that I really respect that have great taste have watched it um, and said, I enjoyed watching it. I felt good after it ended. I wanted to see it again sometime. It reminded me of certain movies that I really like. And some of those movies that they mentioned were movies that were huge influences for me. So that was like, dude. And again, that's like an, uh, we're not even close to being done with it yet. Right. So I, I have a ton of confidence that we're moving in the right direction. But in terms of like being on the record for everything, I didn't always know that that would be the case. And I still don't know how it's going to go. You know, I've said I want to go to Toronto. Well, I'm not going to Toronto because I the movie's not going to be done by the time Toronto comes around. You know what? But I can live with that because I want to make the best possible movie. Yeah, that's life. And so in a broader sense, the sort of I have nothing to hide thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to hide in certain ways. There are also things that I have no interest in people paying attention to. And so I will not publicize them and when it comes to ultra weird privacy uh sort of violations that's the other trade-off uh i'm choosing to live in america i'm choosing to have access to the internet and they're you know they're sort of implicit and explicit user agreements everywhere and if i really don't like that then i might just have to move but you know what? At this point, the trade-off still seems worth it to me. I may regret that, but I'm not going to pretend like the internet is likely to exist without that stuff anytime soon. You know? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think you're you're in particular listening f- to your attitude about the thing. Like, it doesn't matter what happens; you're going to be good. That's critical. Mm-hmm. People take shots all the time. Well, most people take zero shots, but people take shots all the time. Most businesses, 90 something, right? Isn't it like 90% of small businesses fail within the first 10 years? Mm -hmm. Yep. Man, people are out there taking risks and and failing and starting over. The failure part doesn't even matter. It's just people are taking risks and whatever the outcome, most of the time it's not fabulous success Mm -hmm. until it is. Totally. So you keep going and keep trying or, or you give up and you do nothing. Right. I know. And, and, you know, Kelly, the other day we were on a nice walk, an evening walk, an evening stroll in the neighborhood. Mm. And she said, she she leaned over and she said, would you like to make another movie? And I said, absolutely. You know, Mm. I am, and not in an antsy, anxious, I got to get another one out so that I can like do better. I have felt that way at times, but no, right now I feel like, you know what? This was so fun. I don't want to do it again the same way I did it, but I absolutely want to do it again. I mean, without any shred of doubt, I am so excited to do it again. I'm also so excited to do it better next time. Mm. Not anxious to do it better, but excited to do it better that I'm also not in a big rush. You know, I want to wait until I have the right idea 
and the right opportunity to make sure that my quote unquote sophomore effort is better and a step up and worthwhile because, um, and that may not be any particular measurable increase, but that I feel like I have learned something different and something new on the next project. Um, I feel like I've exhausted, or I'm, I'm getting to the point where I've kind of exhausted this particular opportunity as a learning experience. And, um, you know, again, back to sort of, was it, I've really questioned a lot lately. Like, is there a chance that I'm wasting my time? I mean, I was joking about killing the movie because you better believe that shit crosses my mind all the time. I'm like, why am I making this? You know, is it, it's not once upon a time in Hollywood, whether you like that or not. Now, is it something on its own? I think that's what I'm asking myself right now. And I, and again, I think the closer I get, I think the answer continues to be yes. It's, it's its own thing. Some people paint on giant canvases. Some people paint on the back of postage stamps. Um, some people compose music for a, a, a flute, you know, and some people compose music for, for orchestras and, and do operas. And one day I, I would love, like, you know, Tommy was saying this in our last yeah. interview, you know, I, I am doing a lot of writing, you know, I, I find the arts just compelling in general. And I, and I'm realizing, um, that they're all valuable. And in a, in a way I'm just, I couldn't be thrilled more, more thrilled with rollers in that sense, because I just look at it now. And I think I fully exploited the resources I had at my disposal. Yeah. You know, I had amazing talent. So I leaned into that. Um, I had an amazing location. So I leaned into that. I had amazing music. So I leaned into that. And I have a lot of people willing to help me make it better in post. So I'm leaning into that. It gets me jacked. As it should. Uh, well, quick shout out to Tony Hale. Was in Toy Story 4. He's a friend. Long story. But basically, he, when he was shooting Veep in Baltimore, he got introduced to my parents because he didn't know a lot of people in Baltimore. They live up there. And wait, they started wait, wait. hanging out. You mean that no rat infested shithole Baltimore? Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. What a. Ooh, that got me fired up. <laughs> I love Baltimore. Baltimore's a great city. Baltimore for life, baby. I spent I've only ever really lived in Baltimore as a as a young man. That's where my home has been. Take that. Well, Trump. it is it is definitely not. There are parts of it that are pretty rough, but I mean it is a great no, city. There are a lot of rats in Baltimore, but to characterize the entire city that right. way is absurd. Mm, Tony Hill. She in Baltimore. Point is he lives out here, but We've talked a bunch and, you know, talked about different movies and stuff. Anyway, big shout out to him because he was in Toy Story 4, leading role. Like the third highest grossing movie domestically this year. Freaking blew up. So really proud of him because he's had such a long career. He's got a new show coming out, too, uh, called Archibald's Next Big Adventure. And it's about this bird who's always looking forward to the next thing. I actually think it's a, it's based on a kid's book he wrote. And it's actually really good. I went to a table read. It was really fun. Well, um, do you have any other thoughts, Yon? No, I think that's good. Let's leave it there. Oh.